On today's episode, we have part two of this fashion journey. We focus this episode on his transition from the corporate world to building his own brand. Let's start the week with Gianni Garcia. You have to have that confidence and building that. But then, so I was still at my job. A recruiting agency was like, hey, you know, we have a temporary position opening up at Saks. They're going through a system conversion and you would be there helping the merchants kind of go through that. They're not looking to hire anyone. This is just temporary. Would you be interested? And I was like, damn, or, you know, I've been wanting to get into Saks, but I'm like, I did not want to start my whole career over. Like as a temp, I'm like, I've never even been a temp. So yeah. I'm just like, to be a temp after I already had something where I was salary and blah, 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 this and a third, I was just like, okay. I ended up taking the position because I've been trying to get into socks for so long and I really wanted to get into the buying side. And I'll say quickly why I wanted to get into the buying side was because one, those relationships are going to make or break your brand. And two, because it's, the difference of like, okay, what am I really going to do? You know what I mean? In terms of like, do I want to go the buying route? No, I knew that I always wanted my brand, right? But I wanted to know exactly what buyers think of when they're looking at new brands. How do they assess it? What profit margins are they looking for? Because I only knew that for for swimwear. And I knew that I wasn't going to do a swim only brand. So I was like, all right, I want to do buying because I need to get into the mind of a buyer. What are they looking for? What do they get excited about? How can I get into the stores? What email pitches work? What don't? It was basically what I was doing, but on the other side. And then with my latest role in marketing, it was the same kind of situation. But quickly to go back into Saks, I was part of a temp class of 500, which was insane. They were like, you're not going to get hired. I was like, okay, we're going to see if I'm not going to get hired or not. And I worked my ass off there and I made connections with everybody. Everyone ended up loving me there. And I was like, you know what? I'm not only going to make them love me as a person, which I feel like I'm pretty personable and I'm a people's person, but I was like, also, I'm going to work my ass off so that I can secure this job. Two of us out of the 500 got hired, which was insane. It was insane. It was insane. And then I started there. I started in men's designer shoe division and I loved that position. Men's designer shoes is a passion of mine. I loved it. It was my longest standing job. I was there for three and a half, almost four years. And then an amazing designer company, you know, also I knew that while I'm learning this, I want to be in designer. You know what I mean? Like, I didn't really want to be in contemporary. I really didn't want to be in something that's high volume, like denim or like contemporary shoes or like sport or kids. I didn't want to be in any of that. I knew I wanted to be in designer. So this huge fashion house called and an opportunity came up and it's like, when they call, you pick up the phone, you know, (laughs) like it was an insane opportunity, but I was super nervous because it was my entry into beauty, the beauty industry, which I've never worked in before. And it was also my first role in marketing. But to me, I'm like, okay, if I take this job, one, I cannot not take this job. It was a very rigorous interview process. I want to say it was very rigorous. It was about six rounds of interviews. And it was just like, I'm telling you at this point, you're like, what the hell do I even wear anymore? Like I'm running out of outfits out here. You know, it was insane. If that Um, happens to you, then I can only imagine. It was crazy. I was like, oh my God, this is nuts. But yeah, so I was just like, if I learn marketing and I already know buying, I know wholesale. Now I get into marketing. It's kind of like, I'm pretty while setting myself up for my own brand, where it's like all of the major things that you need to know, I'm learning at someone else's expense. You know what I mean? I'm not paying to learn this information. I'm getting paid to learn this information. And in terms, I'm doing a job. But at the same time, I was like a sponge and I was absorbing everything. I still have my notebook for my first job. I still have notebooks equal to the first job of my last job. Like I take very detailed notes on every single thing. And because I have one goal in mind and that's to start my own brand. So for me, I was like, this is only going to make me a more holistic candidate with whatever job I decide to go to next, but also 
it's going to make me more well-rounded in not only my brand, but also my second full-time job, which is blogging. And that's where I was like, all right, my love for beauty and skincare stemmed from that. And then working in it just enhanced that. So I was just like, all right, I need to make this part of my blog because it can't just be clothes and fashion. Like I also have another passion in skincare and beauty. You know what I mean? So it was like kind of merging two of my loves together again, but in a different way for my own personal project, if you which, will. Which is kind of like a, frankly, a career cheat code in itself, right? Like you're yeah. getting paid to learn all the things that you wanted to learn and then applying that to your own brand and we'll continue to do that going forward. Right. That's one thing. And then also saying, you know what? I'm going to start my own thing while I'm still getting paid to do this other thing. Right. Because then you're leveraging all your contacts, leveraging all of the things you're learning in real time and letting people know, by the way, I'm this whole personality over here. Yeah. 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 That's it's awesome. Insane. I, I mean, I didn't even plan for it to be that way. But as I kept moving up, you know, in my career path, when my friends were telling me, start your own blog, I was just like, you know what? It does make sense. I'm just like, why wouldn't I? take everything that I've learned throughout my career in fashion, which I know that people would die to work for the companies that I've worked for. But I've also know that I've worked my ass off at each company to get to the position of where I am. But why not share that passion with other people and things and tactics that I learned along the way? You know, I also feel like with my blog, like as my following continues to grow, which I would never would have thought it's growing as fast as it is. And it takes a lot of work to get there. But I was also like, as it continues to grow, I want to put my audience on because my audience is a fashion audience. So like when all of my followers DM me a question and I go to their page and start liking their photos and like see what they're about, because I just want to know, like, such and such is from, and it's an international, you know, an international following. Like I was looking at the demographics of my blog the other day and I was astonished that the vast majority are white. And I didn't think, you know what I mean? Like, I'm just like, okay, I probably have a primarily Latino following because I'm Latino, you know what I mean? And then I looked and I'm like, oh no, it's like by a landslide. I have a Caucasian following and I have Latinos too. And I have, it's a multicultural following, but it was like, I was just like kind of mind blown by it a little bit because I didn't think that it was. And then when I started going to their profiles, I'm like, oh, but these are like not American Caucasian people. These are like international European who identify as Caucasian. But like a lot of my followers come from Paris. And I go to their page and I'm like, wow, these, these guys and girls are so fashionable. And I'm just like, these are cool people. Like, I'm just like, they live a, they know how to dress. You know what I mean? Like they live a dope life. And at least as to what I see or what they portray on Instagram. And I'm like, okay, some of them are from Spain. Some of them are from Paris. I see a bunch are from Italy, with huge following in South Korea. And I'm just like, I'm inspired by South Korean fashion. Like that's where a lot of, I draw my inspiration is from the Asian market because to me, they they have this fashion game on lock. I love the way that they dress. I love the dimensions that they play with. They take risks. They don't care what people think about their fashion sense. Even if it is crazy, they'll still rock it and own it on top of that. So I've, I've always drawn a lot of inspiration from Asian fashion culture because to me they're at the top of the ladder and a lot of people say europe because the brands and the fashion houses they're all based out of europe yes they do look good there but to me for my aesthetic i'm like no the asians got it down packed you know what i mean so like tokyo and south korea and things of that nature when i look at my followers there i'm just like they're so cool like you know what i mean they are effortlessly cool they dress so cool they you know are all at all the hot spots and it's just it's great to have those connections with people because I'm halfway across the world and we're still chatting via DM and talking about 
the latest collection or what do we think of this designer's thing? You know what I mean? Like they all look to me to kind of chat with them about it. And it's good to have that outlet because it's not, not everyone follows fashion and it, it is, it's still a niche market, you know, like a real true designer fashion, fashion following is super niche. So I'm also like, so excited to have that conversation with them because I can't have that conversation with everybody. You know what I mean? It's a selective few. A lot of my colleagues that I've, you know, become super close with along my corporate career. Yes. Like we have our own group chat where we're like, did you guys see this collection? Like, what did you guys think of the latest Dior show? Like, you know, things of that nature. And that group chat is just on an, on another level of like fashionism, if that's even a thing. But all of like my audience connecting with them on that level and seeing what they gravitate to and certain shows that and designers that they put me onto that I would have never even known. And I'm like, yo, this is fire. Like I would buy this, you know what I mean? Or I would rock it or I'm featuring it, you know, things of that nature. So let's talk about that though, because you have this international following. Yeah. How did you grow that? So I used to have a page before and it was just fashion inspiration, men's fashion inspo. And it was just like teaching guys how to dress. And that was the purpose of the page. I feel like I also definitely want to answer a question that I get all the time, which is why am I not a stylist as like my career job? Like I literally have to fight with people to tell them why I'm not. But I feel like I guess this is the right platform to just let everyone know why I'm not. And you know what? The real reason is that I feel like stylists don't get the credit that they deserve ever. That's something that the industry really needs to work on. And stylists themselves know that, you know, they need to get the credit that they deserve because a lot of the times you're on the back end, but the celebrity would never look that good if they weren't in those clothes. Every red carpet moment that is a moment, it's the stylist's moment. You know what I mean? Like when Rihanna's dressed, it's yes, Rihanna, of course, has a great fashion sense, but it's her stylist who's putting her in those clothes that are making these fashion moments for her. And on the red carpet, when you think of a red carpet moment, like let's say Scarlett Johansson, almost every red carpet she kills, but you know, when she comes out in that like red dress at the Oscars, like that's a moment. And it's never like the stylist that gets the credit for it. It's always Scarlett Johansson. You know what I mean? And I feel like I've never wanted to deal with that. One, two, I also feel like I always want to incorporate my own personal style, you know? And I feel like when you're working with clients, it's a lot of back and forth. And I, and I get that too. It's incorporating their personal style with your kind of vision and working together to do that, which I have so much respect for them for doing that. But I feel like if I could just dress myself and it could just be my personal style on me, why not? You know? So that is really the main reason Makes because sense. I feel like you're also limited. You know, if the person doesn't want to wear that and you think it's so fire, it's like, it's not going to get the credit that you want because it's like, they're not, it, it doesn't gravitate to them, which they're totally entitled to. But you have a vision as a creative, you want to get that across. And I feel like because I have my vision and it's on me, I can kind of do whatever I want. But yeah, back to my old page I had, it was just men's fashion inspo. I got hacked. I was like at 12, 14,000 followers. And I grew that in like a matter of two years, two and a half years, I want to say. And that was at the beginning of Instagram. And I couldn't get my page back because there were no photos of me on there. So they couldn't prove that it was my page. And then I tried to reset the password, but the hackers also got into my email and hacked my email associated with that account. They were trying to get money, obviously. So they wrote me a message like, if you want your account back, you can send blah, blah, blah to this. I was like, no, I'm not doing this. So, so that wait, kind of discouraged me. But wait, but those 14,000 people that started following yeah. you, these were organically grown or were you like, I don't know, buying ads somewhere or making sure that you were written about in other places? Or Honestly, Ad buying or spon- like sponsoring a post was not even a thing when I had that page. I'm talking 2014, the kind of real beginning of Instagram where it was like not even influencers weren't even a thing at all. I was just trying to teach people and I like 
for me to have 14 at that time is like a big deal because people didn't have much at that time. And you see a lot of the bloggers that are big time, like have millions of followers. They started on Tumblr, you know, and they started their fashion blog there. And it was like very exclusive to like a fashion community. And then they, you know, moved it over to Instagram and those people came with them. But for me, it was just kind of like, yo, let's start. I was posting three times a day. And it was like a weird time where I was in between jobs. I can't remember which two jobs I was in between, but I was in between two jobs and I had a lot of time and I was like, this is going to be my passion project. So I would put it as like, okay, my first post is going to be like a good morning post is going to be a full outfit, what you should be wearing to work type of situation. Like if you don't know what to wear to work, this is what you should be wearing to work. I would post that eight o'clock before I'm like, all right, everybody's getting dressed for work at like eight o'clock. You know what I mean? Like this is a good time to post. So I started posting like what you, what guys should wear to work. And I felt like it would help out the guys who didn't really know what to wear. And it's like, even if you didn't have those items, you could have something that maybe looks like that, you know, or is similar to that. Then around lunchtime, when everybody's at lunch and back on the gram, I would post again a shoe post. And I always loved shoes, which is so funny because that was my role at Saks, was, you know, assistant buyer for men's designer shoes. It's like, I always loved shoes. So at 12 o'clock, it was like a shoe post and I would do sneakers, like any new sneaker releases that are coming out that I'm really digging, any shoes like that men should be wearing to work. Or, you know, it was like, how could you get away with like comfortable shoes that are kind of like sneakers, like the Kohans at the time were just like, you know, the newest thing. So I was like, wear these to work where you're still fashionable, but you're still comfortable. And then a nighttime post would be like an evening, like after you're done with your work day, let's say you're going on a date night with, you know, your girl or guy, you know, you're what should you wear or how could you transition outfits? Like you still got your button down on from work, throw on a leather jacket instead, you know, take off the suit jacket, things of that nature. So it was really teaching and super informative posting three times a day, hashtagging the right stories weren't, wasn't a thing when I had that page and just, yeah, being consistent. And every single day I post three times a day, which is a lot. That is a lot of content going out. So consistency um, was really one of the keys, at least, to growing your, your audience there. Consistency is the key. And that's something that I even struggle with now because, you know, I'm in a very different stage in my life and my career now, now that I have, you know, my own personal blog on Instagram. I struggle to be consistent because I have to find time to shoot. You know, it's like when you're working a corporate work week, first of all, when you work in fashion, it's never a 40 hour work week. You're never out at five. It's never nine to five. It's more like nine to nine. You know what I mean? Or like nine to seven, you know, it's very, it's very intensive and labor intensive. Mm -hmm especially when you're going the designer route, you know, so you have to find time to shoot. And then my friend who I'm so appreciative for, you know, he shoots me and he's a photographer. Mostly his specialty is video. Mr. Jose Alfonseca, you know, Alfonseca films. Hey, uh, friend of the, friend <laughs> of the show. Friend know, of the I have show. to give him a shout out because he's been a huge part of my growth, my career, and he thugs it out with me. And I mean, this man, he's out there with me, shooting me in the cold. I remember our second shoot here. My first shoot ever for this blog was in Miami. I was in Miami for Art Basel. It was like, all right, we're doing this. We were like, all right, we're out there. Jose was going to be out there doing a job. I was like, don't worry. I got the Airbnb for us. The Santa third. So we were shooting. I was like, all right. I was at Saks at the time. And, and that's the thing too. It's like your circle supports you so much. Like my team at Saks is like, Gianni, you take whatever you want from my fashion closet. Just bring it back. I don't care. You know what you do. Just bring it back in great condition, whatever you want. And I had access to thousands and thousands of designer clothes that I would never be able to afford on my own. And that's how I, you know, got started. I, I was wearing, you know, a $2,000 shirt and it was like, and I was, you know, shooting it and it was property of Saks, but they were just like, yo, you can, you can borrow, you can do this. And everyone at Saks loved me and loved working. They know how hard I work. They saw something in me that made it easy for them to want to help me. 
And that's pivotal because a lot of the things they let me keep, like they're like, the brand is not asking for this back. You could have this, like your sample size. And we have like no men who work here. You could, you know, this, this could be yours. Like my buyer at the time for Christmas. I mean, she gave me an insane amount of designer shoes. I, I like, I don't even, I don't even know. Like, if I could say, but you know, I won't say the brands, but it was along the lines of like 15 pairs of designer sneakers and shoes. And I was just so grateful for her. You know, I was just like, she's like, yeah, I know you're doing your thing with your blog. You can shoot them. She's like, and you can, well, they're yours. You can keep them. But she's like, you know, I know that you want to do this. So here's for more. And I was just like, everyone was so helpful. So the relationships that I've built along my corporate career are now transitioning to helping me build my personal blog, which is what I want to be doing full-time in the near future. Like see myself doing that real soon within the next year or two years, like very soon. You know what I mean? So that's awesome. it's like, everyone's kind of helping me. And it's like, it's crazy because it's like, yes, I'm fed up with working corporate America, but those connections are so pivotal to, you know, even me working with them. But yeah, back to shooting. It's like, our, our first shoot was in Miami. It was great, blah, blah, blah. It was, it took us, oh my God, forever. I want to say maybe eight to 10 hours. It was a long two days. It was nuts. I was not comfortable in front of the camera. And then our second shoot here in New York City, it was January and it was freezing. Oh my God. We were out shooting for 12 hours. It was literally like, I think it was like 18 degrees Fahrenheit. It was freezing that day and i was like at the end of wow. it all i was just like in a bad mood because i was like i'm so cold that i don't even know if i really want to do this dedication <laughs> and you know jose was there with me my sister was there like kind of art directing me and she's like okay like fixing the shirt you know we have to get the great angles like this my cousin who's the one who had a car and i was changing in her car and she was just there also helping out and braving it out. And again, it goes back to you having that support system of you, of everybody wanting you to succeed. And that's something that I would never forget. Like when I'm ready to start my own brand, which I hope to do in the next few years, I'm trying to bring my people with me. Like I'm hiring only my friends. I'm not hiring outside. Like uh, I'm going to teach you guys how to do this job. And I want my people to grow with me, not you know, other people that are just outsourced. Like, no, we all have, you know, our dreams and our hopes and our goals. And if we can help each other in whichever way we can, I'm all about that. And that's something that's super, super important to me. Awesome. But yeah, it's a lot of work that goes into it. Shooting on the weekends, it's 10 to 12 hour days, shooting 14 to 15 looks at a time and spreading them out throughout two weeks time, changing in the middle of the street, like legit in boxers and socks. Like, <laughs> In wow. the middle of Soho, like it's insane the oh. things that you have to go through. It's like you spend all night steaming your clothes to then pack them in a suitcase. By the time you're shooting them the next day it, around the city, they're already wrinkled. I mean, you name, you shoot hundreds of pictures per look and you get maybe two good pictures. <laughs> it's wow. insane. But these are folks that are just helping you because they want you to succeed. They're not like, you're not paying these people to help you out. Right. Like at least in the beginning, like these are folks that are just like, come man, I'll shoot some pictures or your yeah. sister. Hey, can't come on. I'll hold the clothes. Like, right. Thanks right. of that nature. And that's why I think that I'm so grateful to everyone too. You know, at some point while I was working my corporate job, I'm like, I have to, I told my photographer, I'm like, I have to start paying you because I feel like, you know, you're doing so much work for me and you're helping me out so much. And, you know, I don't, I don't ever want you to think that I'm taking it for granted because I'm not. And I'm so appreciative of this. And those are the people that you want on your side. You know what I mean? You want those kind of people who are willing to do it for free. And then when you're willing to pay them, it's just like an added bonus and you feel good about it too within your own right. And then you start feeling bad where you can't, you know what I mean? Cause it's like, yo, you know, I know that this is a job and I know that this is a job that a lot of people charge a lot of money for, you know, even for other people to even have the vision or my cousin to take her whole Saturday out of her day to do she absolutely can't do anything because she's just driving me around and helping me you know the same thing with my sister and and jose you know my photographer just being there and shooting it's like you could have had other gigs you know what i mean and you chose to be and spend your time 
with me to make my dream come true. You know what I mean? And I'm just so grateful to have those people in my circle and they're never going to leave, you know, no matter what. And I'm only getting bigger with time, you know, it's just a matter of time before we continue growing. And it's like, I'm not going to forget about them. Like, because they were there from the very beginning, just like I tell my followers too. I know who was there when I was at a thousand and I'm still like, yo, y'all still rocking with me two years later, 12,000 more followers. And it's like, I still know your face. I know you, I know you by a first name basis. It's like, if you're sending me a DM, I'm answering you. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's a different kind of relationship because it's very hard to follow a stranger at a thousand followers where you're just like, what is he even doing? And I feel like even my style has evolved so much in the last two years where I would never wear what I wore on my first shoot today. So it's like, I, you know, I appreciate them coming through, you know, and following me through the come up also. Like, yeah. you know, it's not easy to be in the beginning stages. So I know it's still early for you. Are you monetizing already? Yes. <laughs> Which awesome. I'm so grateful for. I'm with two agencies, which I absolutely love being with. One of them being 4.co. They're really, really good. They're an influencer marketing agency. And I've learned so, so much. I'm very appreciative of them as well because they hold summits quarterly to teach, you know, up and coming influencers and just influencers about everything in the market. You know, they have speakers, they have brands there to put you face to face with them and give you that connection, which could very well be your foot in the door. You know, their biggest activation was a Sephora squad activation and they did that whole thing on their own. And I'm just like to be part of that agency where they're constantly pitching me. My biggest partnership has come through them with John Hardy jewelry. And I couldn't be more ecstatic about that. You know, I built my relationship even with their marketing team at the John Hardy's team on my own because of that, you know, and if it wasn't for them, I would have never had that connection. And that was my biggest partnership, not only in terms of exposure, brand, they're a luxury brand, and it's literally sets the bar to like what kind of brands want to work with you. But also in terms of how much I got paid, I was just like, what? I couldn't even believe I was getting paid that money for that work. And I think that that was, I'm so appreciative of that. The other agency that I'm with is obviously, and they're so, so good as well. Like they're pitching me constantly and they do more of like skincare stuff and more lifestyle, whether it be like Barnes and Nobles is their account or Amazon publishings and, you know, skincare. And now I'm on like a bunch of skincare PR lists because of them. You know what I mean? And getting products sent to me. I'm like every week, it's like a different box. I mean, my family's like, um, (laughs) this is getting a little out of hand and I'm like, I know, you know, and then now I'm feel like I'm at a point where I started pitching myself to brands. That's awesome. Wait, at what point did you realize you needed or were ready for an agency to start pitching you for, for partnerships? I would say, you know, a lot of the times people say you should be at X amount of followers. And I, I had that kind of, idea in my head for a long time. I was like, okay, until I get to 20,000, I'm not going to be able to do this. But the industry has changed so much and it continues to change. Whereas like if your engagement rates are high and you have a small, more engaged niche audience, brands want to get that product because they know that your audience really fucks with you and they're going to buy it. They're going to buy it or ask about it. Anything I post on my stories, on my feed, anything, anything it doesn't matter i get at least 25 to 30 dms about it's like i could be at sephora me personally you know looking at like skincare stuff and i'll like take a photo take a snapshot and people are like oh my god what is it that you're doing or what is it that you're using and and you're your own brand i take care of my skin i have a very strict regimen i'm consistent with it every day i have been for the past three years i feel like now it's my turn to kind of educate my audience as to the things that are good out in the market and that i learned a lot of that in my you know last job And that is like, what blogs should I be looking at for research from market research? Like, where should I be looking to? And now I do that for my own personal, you know, need of skincare. I want to know what new products are doing really well and what has good reviews and blah, blah, blah. 
And that was my first role into marketing. And I'm now applying those tactics to my personal blog. I would have never known half of the blogs that I look at for products had I not been in that role, you know? And now I can look at it for me, do my research on my own for myself, and then communicate it to my audience. So I'm applying everything that I've been learning throughout my corporate career into my blog as well. And again, it just makes me a more well-rounded individual in terms of lifestyle. You know, now I'm on this also fitness journey. I've lost 26 pounds and counting on keto. Good for Um, you. And now that's like another thank you. That's like another kind of dimension of the blog where so many people, I, I mean, I posted that just yesterday on my stories and so many people DM me. I'm talking over 50 DMs of just like, what do you eat on a day to day? What is your workout regimen looking? You know what I mean? Or, or just like people genuinely being happy for you, yeah. even if they're not in the same situation, they always are supportive. And I really appreciate that about my audience that they're my biggest fans. You know what I mean? They gas me up, you know, heavy. I'm like, y'all gassing me OD and y'all don't <laughs> even know me. And these are the DMs, right? So it's not even like the engagement that pu- the public sees. Right. So these are like people that are reaching out beyond that. So which yes. also speaks volumes to the level of trust that they have in you and your opinion and your thoughts and your journey. Because it's like a private chat. So in your DMs is where you really get to know people. And I feel like people might not be, if they're not extroverted, you know, they might feel a certain type of way about leaving a comment under your photo or, you know, other people seeing certain things that they don't want to, but they'll DM you about it because they still are genuinely interested in the product or your story or your involvement with the product or the brand. And then that's where you kind of get a chance. I mean, even when we were texting, you're like, I'm like, I'm sorry, my DMs are so backed up and I try my best to get to all of them. I really, really do try so hard. In a timely matter, I always get to all of them, but I try my best to get in a timely matter. Sometimes like it takes me a week, but I do still get to all of them and I answer, you know, everyone's questions. And a lot of the times I'll try to like link stuff in my stories or like create a highlight for it just so that people can always have a reference point to kind of limit the same amount of questions. Like if you got a group of the same amount of questions, like everyone's like, how do you do this? Or what do you think of this? Or what are you doing for that? Like, it was crazy. I was telling, you know, my friends, I posted, I was at the nail salon, you know, getting a manicure, things we take for granted in today's day um, with this quarantine. But, you know, I was getting a manicure and I was like, I've never been that guy who likes clear nail polish. I've never been that guy who likes a really shiny nail, but I do like my nails to look healthy and look like they're done with like a sheen. So then I put my followers on the guys to whenever you get a manicure, you just get one coat of the base coat as your manicure. And it dries not completely matte, but with a sheen. And it's not a shiny, like a nail polish. And it, but it looks so clean, you know, your nails look super clean. They look well taken care of, but they're not shiny. And when I tell you that my DMs went off and I still, I posted that maybe in this, when did I post that? I want to say it was maybe even like November, October. I still get DMs every single week of another follower. Like, Thank you for putting me on. You don't even understand. Like, how did I not know about this before? And I used to also pay, you know, $5 extra for them to buff my nails to have that same sheen. So I'm also saving people money. And they're like, you just saved me, you know, $5. And it adds up after every manicure, $5. You know what I mean? After 10 manicures, that's $50 that you're saving. So it's just, that is the part that's rewarding when people are really listening to you, they're engaged and they really like what you're doing and they, they take time out of their day to let you know, hey, you helped me out in this. Thank you for that. And I and I feel like that's what makes everything kind of come full circle. Do what you want to do, you know? Great. Okay. So I have maybe like two, three more questions for you. One, let's start with throughout your career, right? Like your first job was right out of college, started that summer as an intern. So you went, right. you know, probably making a solid you know, whatever minimum wage was at the time. Right. So then Mm -hmm. your first job, can you just walk me through a range of what you would say you were making in your first job in terms of salary? Yeah. 
I also think that salary is something that is super important to talk about. I think that that's not something that we, as people of color, are comfortable talking about. And I feel like there's like a stigma behind it. But I, having been building up and working my career in fashion, which by the way, is very type A in terms of ethnicity and diversity, you know, it's something that a lot of people ask, like, are you proud to be the only Latino in a company of two to 3,000, 5,000 people? And I'm like, no, I'm not proud. I don't feel like I accomplished anything more. I'm actually hurt and saddened by it because there's not more people who look like me there, you know, and there's not more people of color. There's always more African American than Latino in fashion but nowhere near enough, nowhere near. So, you know, with, and we all stick together, you know, the Latinos, the African-Americans, and uh, even a lot of some of the Asians too. Us together as people of color as a whole make up maybe 20% of a company, if that, you know what I mean? And it, And it's tough. It's hard because, you know, a lot of the times we are the customer. We are the customer going into the store, spending a shit ton of money on those new Gucci sneakers or on those new Louboutins, on a Gucci belt, on some shades. We are the number one customer. And I think that it's very important for people to remember that. Like you need to start having and hiring and diversifying your companies because we know the customer because we are them. You know what I mean? Like we know them best. We know what they're going to gravitate towards. We know what they're going to buy. That's how you become a better wholesaler. That's how you become a better buyer. That's how you become a better marketer. If you just stick to a very type A type of audience, you're only going to stay within that realm. And you can capture so many other markets by diversifying, you know, your organization. But Back to the salary, us as people of color, we're not used to speaking about it. And I feel like one thing that I've learned is, you know, working with my colleagues, my Caucasian colleague counterparts, they speak about it freely, which is how they always know, you know, where they should be, what they should be asking for, what kind of raise they should be going for, what should be the salary that they're going for in their next role as well. Like you have to talk about these things because it's not you talk about it for people to judge you, you know, oh, you're only making this. No, it's not about that. It's about if they're your colleagues, they're making around the same range that you're making. You know, you're all in the same kind of boat. You need to talk about it so that you know how to move forward diligently and the best way that you can. That's the only way you're going to move up. And I feel like at this point, I wouldn't even entertain a job if I'm not getting a f at least a fifteen to $20,000 increase. And to people of color, they're like, what? That is crazy. And I'm like, no, because you break it down month by month to then break it down further, paycheck by paycheck, bi-weekly, and you're making maybe $100 more than what you would have. Is that really worth you leaving somewhere that you really love, you know, that you're comfortable, that you're excelling in, that there is room for growth for? No. But now if you're talking $20,000 more and you're making, you know, X amount of money, you know, more then it's a different conversation that you're having. And it weighs differently on your decision, whether or not to leave or stay or accept the other opportunity or not. Um, right. As well as what are other people getting paid? Like, I don't want to be low balled either at the end of the day. And I'm very like, one thing that corporate has taught me is that I'm very, I'm very good at negotiating and I don't play any games when it comes to finances and your salary. Like it's a non-negotiable for me. And this is what I know I'm worth. This is what my market value is. This is what it is. If you can't afford that, then I don't need to be here. You know what I mean? And I feel like, yes, I've worked my way up to be able to say that, but you have to have these conversations so you know where to start. So in the beginning, I want to say I was I was making, I was offered initially around 40 to 45,000, right? Okay. To live when in New York City and work. To live in New York City and work. And then when you got the promotion, you know, your base then goes up to, you know, 50 to 60. And then when you leave, <laughs> like I said before, you are expecting an increase 
of about 15 to 20. So that was the increase, which would be, you know, anywhere from 70 to 80,000. Also wholesale, you make a lot more money because you might have a base of 60,000, but your commission will easily, if you're killing it in the game, would easily add an, uh, an additional 15 to 20,000 if you have a good commission rate, which also is another thing that I had to learn about. At the time I was getting, I think a 1% commission rate. And I thought that that was good. It's not, it's not even, it's below average, but it was also my first job out of college. It is what it is. And then when I got promoted, I moved up to 3%, which is the average, but still, why would you want to get the average? Go for the five and plus because everyone else there is negotiating five and plus. So if you have those conversations about salary, that's something that you would know. You know what I mean? You need to know. You need to be like, okay, what should I be negotiating in terms of a bonus package? Keep in mind that your bonus package or your commission is going to be taxed at 48%. That is something that you really have to keep in mind because after taxes, you're getting about half of your money. You know what I mean? And that plays a huge factor into you calculating your salary, you know? So, and that's great because I feel like that's part of the whole premise of the show, right? Like we want to share some of this information. And if you come out of school and you're doing a paid internship, you're at whatever your minimum wage is and that's what it is. And that's that. But now within a few years, you're able to escalate to like making 70, $80,000. And that's in a market like New York. Right. That's a pretty quick ramp up time to, to make it to that level, which is great. And then it's now been, about a decade since you've been out of school, right? So like now I'm sure that number is a lot higher than that, but that's great for people to realize people need to understand that. It takes time too. Yeah, it takes time, but you can do what you like. You you love fashion, right? So you're in a field that you love and you're able to monetize it according to the needs that you have and what it is that you want to do. So I think that's, it's important to show people that just because you're in the fashion industry doesn't mean you're going to get lowballed every time. Like that's not right. necessarily the case. It really just depends. Like if you're, you also know that you have to like fashion is very much old school mentality where you have to pay your dues as well. You have to understand that, that that's a business and you might start off with 50,000, but then you work your way up to 60,000 and then you work your way up to 70 and then 80. And then, you know, it depends on what it is when you're in wholesale your salary goes from zero to a hundred very fast. Any sales business in any company, you will make the most money in. So you can expect to be making six figures within the right company within three years in wholesale. Honestly, you can three to four years in buying. It's a little different because you have to move up through so many rankings you become you start off as a merchant assistant then you become an assistant buyer you're an assistant buyer for a few years then you become an associate buyer then after an associate buyer for a few years you become a buyer and then when you are a buying level you are maybe starting a buying level at ninety thousand, but then you also get a bonus if your buys are selling out you know, you can hit that six figure mark. If you're at a buyer route, like usually an associate buyer starts at 75, you know, and then when you get to being a buyer six years later, you start at 90, but that's just you starting at 90 and you can get a bonus that is definitely going to take you into the low six figures, you know, and then you become a senior buyer and then you're your base is in the six figures. It's very different. What I will say is that the beauty industry does pay more because I just think that it's a huge industry overall. It really is fascinating to me, which is why I wanted to even get into it, how fast it's growing and the amount of money that they're making in such a short amount of time. It is a multi-billion dollar industry and it's only growing from here. And it pays much more. It pays about almost every level, about $20,000 more than fashion at every level. So it's a very, you know, it's a good incentive to want to work in it. But you, I will say that you do have to have a passion for it in order to withstand working in that kind of environment because it is very fast paced. It's a lot of launches, at least in marketing, you know, it's a lot of product and everything is always turning. It's very fast paced in fashion as well. 
but at least fashion, they're categorized by seasons. In beauty, it's just like pumping out product after product after product. And in fashion, it's like, okay, we're gearing up for fall, winter. We're gearing up for resort season. We're gearing up for spring, summer. You know what I mean? For cruise and things of that nature. Like you at least have the time to prepare for the season. In beauty, it's just like product, 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 product all year round. And holiday is their biggest, as well as fashion, their biggest time of the year. But yeah, it's very lucrative if you work your way up. It's just so hard to get your foot in the door with any of them. You know, I think that for the most thing is just get your foot in the door, do whatever you need to do. If it's your true passion and you need to start over, start over. I had to start over at Saks. I was making literally... Seventy, eighty-five thousand dollars in wholesale, and I started to attempt job of making an hourly wage, like just because I was like, "All right, I need to get in." You know what I mean? And then I worked my way in through there, like worked my way up once I got in. And it was like, it's not easy starting over, but if you feel like it's worth it, then you got to do it. Awesome. Okay. Um, how do you get better at what you do? Like, do you have any books and resources that you either have learned that have been beneficial to you personally or have anything that you do on an ongoing basis to get better professionally? I think that one, like I mentioned before, your connections are super, super important. And, you know, building these relationships with these people in these jobs are really helpful, you know, because then they act as mentors to you, especially the higher ups. But taking notes every step of the way is has been my biggest, biggest, and I say this even in every interview, that that has been my biggest successor, I guess. I refer back to my notes for everything. If I ever forget something, I know that I have them handy there. And then you also have to be willing to put in the work. Know that it's not easy. Don't think that you're starting a job, especially if you're looking to get into the fashion industry and it's going to be easy, breezy, or glamorous. It's not. It's not glamorous at all. It's a lot of work, but it's very lucrative in terms of you're fulfilling a passion and you will be fulfilled doing that work because you love it so much. And it's a different kind of love and passion that you put into your work when you love what you do. So that is one thing. A lot of market research, constantly reading articles, business of fashion, BOF has been a huge, huge help to me. Like I read their articles all the time. Women's Wear Daily too, WWD. I mean, they're the OG in the game and people still use them every single day. Every single job that I've worked at has a subscription to it because it's the best in terms of fashion news. Reading those articles constantly, knowing, educating yourself what's going on in the market Who's doing well? Who's not doing well? How is the economy right now? What stores are opening? What stores are closing? You know, things of that nature. Just keeping yourself in the know is so, so important. And it's like always a trait. Every single boss of mine has always said, like, Gianni always knows what's going on and almost like ahead of the curve. Like, I want to know what's going on. If I foresee something being a trend, I'm very quick to say it. And I tell them, I'm like, okay, this is going to be a big thing. You have to trust me on this. A lot of the times they don't, but you know what I mean? It's also having that gut instinct of you like, and going with it, own it, go with it. Like there's a lot of times that people are like, I don't even like the way he dresses, but the way that I carry myself when I show up to a place, because I, I personally like my outfit. It's like, you can't even tell me anything. And it makes you almost start to like it because it's like, yo, it's not only just the clothes, it's the, it's a lifestyle and the way that you carry yourself and you have to be confident and really own it for yourself. Like that is the main thing. I mean, a lot of the times, like, I mean, I'm always wearing, you know, a basic tee, but it's like, so what? Like, that's the basic mm -hmm. tee that I love, you know, and I want to wear it and I want to wear it with these pants and this way or tucked in or half tucked or out or, you know, oversized. Like, it just depends on you. And then when you wear it and you like it, you own it. And it almost like radiates the energy to other people that is almost like infectious in a way. That's awesome. Okay. Is there anything else that we haven't discussed today that the world should know about Gianni? I don't think so. I mean... We're gearing up for YouTube. That's the next step, you know, in my career. I feel like we're going to continue growing on Instagram. If you guys don't follow me, it's 
at the Gianni edit. You know, I'm trying to be more, a little bit more lifestyle in this quarantine life. I've been incorporating cooking and I, I feel like my audience has been loving it. They're like, everything you make looks good. And I'm like, wow, thank you. It really does taste good. But like, you know, I learned how to cook like everybody else with their mom on FaceTime. You know what I mean? When I was in college and I moved off of campus and I was like, yo, I'm craving some Spanish food or I'm craving this and I need to call the OG to teach me how to make it. You know what I mean? Like that's the same way for me, you know? And now that I'm sharing it, everyone's like, can you please put the recipe up for this? Everyone's like super into like the weight loss and that journey. And, you know, my obsession with SoulCycle is real. Like I just can't kick it. It's something that I've been doing for five years almost, I think. And it's something that has helped me so, so much, not only mentally, but physically in dropping and aiding in that weight loss. Shout out to Ariel because he's my favorite instructor. He kills it. And the energy that he has in that room is unmatched. So that's a huge portion of it too. Skincare. I mean, it's like, that's a huge, huge passion of mine. And I'm going to, I've been pitching myself to all of the brands and I've been getting great responses. So new partnerships are underway with people and just know too that a lot of bloggers and influencers if you're have a genuine following and you're really doing this for a passion you would never pitch to a brand just because of the money you would only pitch a brand that you would normally use and i don't want to wear a brand like i'm not pitching myself to skincare brands that i would never use because for what you're going to send me product or you're going to pay me to promote a product, but I'm never going to use it. No, I'm not doing that. I'm pitching to the brands that I like to wear the skincare products that I know and love. I'm like, Hey, I've been using your products for about six weeks now. I really love them. I put it on my Instagram stories. My audience reacted really well to it. What do you think about working together? Like that is really my pitch to them. And it's been insane how much response these brands give me. And they're like, of course, reach out to this person. Like, then I reach out to the person. They're like, oh, we would love to work with you. Like, blah, blah, blah. It's just been going so well like that. And I feel like a lot of people do that. There's that kind of like a misunderstanding or misconception that bloggers are only doing things for a paycheck. They don't need the paycheck. Like, especially if you're a big time blogger, they don't need the paycheck they're all millionaires they're only pitching to brands that they like and that work there's no sense in me pitching to a brand that i'm never gonna wear even the clothes i would never be called dead in a corny outfit for a brand just because they're paying me and i'm like i'm gonna look stupid to all my followers that have been following me for all this you know for two years that they're like we know this is not gianni style so it's like it's gonna come off as inauthentic and it's gonna come off as whack and i would never want that so every brand that i pitch just know like it's something that i would normally or already have owned and tried and want to work with them because i love it so much and want to share how much i love for that i'm still gonna buy it regardless you know what i mean partnership or not but it would be beneficial to both the brand and myself to work together and why not right so thanks for joining us today man i really appreciate it thank you so much for having me i know i spoke so so much <laughs> um, but it's good. been awesome I, uh, again i can't say enough about good things about you doing this for us for our people for our community it's so helpful i feel like again i've worked in these corporations i know how many latinos and people of color overall or just people in general i know that it's very hard to get into the industry that i'm in i hope that i was able to at least lend a little bit of advice as to how i was able to do it and grow and continue to grow in it onward and upward from here <laughs>